Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Erin Lim is here with me today, as well as two of her co-workers. Can I call <laughs> you co-workers? Is that like the correct word? <laughs> I don't know. It's like family. At this point. Yeah, okay. it depends, depends on the day. Or for the hour. Yeah. Sure, for how, how we feel about each other today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're family. That's, that's how I feel. The family. Yeah, absolutely. I lo- absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, so Erin founded... Uh, in 2013, a podcast called Bitch Talk. And the whole objective of this podcast was to highlight the ongoing need for BIPOC women representation in media, film, and the arts. And you've done a ton of shows. Uh, You've featured a lot of people, including Olivia Wilde and Lulu Wang. And just, I think, I mean, you guys, I love what you do. And I really want to know more about Erin, why did you start this podcast? And then how Angela joined and Char, at what point in time you guys, you know, became a team and just tell me all about it, please. Well, how long do you have, first of all? (laughs) Um, Yeah, Bitch Talk was started really probably more around 2012, just the thought of it with my original co-host. And this ties back to Char because we were on a show that she was producing at the time called Your Straight Male Friend. And I knew those guys just because of the media landscape in San Francisco and the Bay Area, because I was also involved in media and public relations and stuff like that. So uh, those guys wanted a group of single women at the time, uh, all ages, whatever, to come on their show and talk about what it was like to be single in the city, you know, very sex in the city. Yeah. Yes. And they gave us a ton of mimosas and um, we, I don't even, we should find that recording chart at some point. I don't know if we can, but um, there's a bunch of us in a room drinking, talking about being single. We came out of it. Um, my original co-host and I and sat at another bar after that. And we're like, we should do a podcast, you know? And, um, and that took probably six months from that time maybe eight months to like think about you know how what did we want to say how are we going to say it and who was out there that was doing something similar well there weren't a lot of women of color doing podcasts at all um as I like to say it was very pale and male it still kind of is but not as bad um and so we were listening to Aisha Tyler uh, she had, I think she had two podcasts, but the one that we were kind of listening to is called Girl on Guy. And it was really interview based, um, but we loved her. She's originally from San Francisco. And um, that's how we sort of modeled the podcast. So at first it was really just her and I sitting at a kitchen table in Oakland. Um, we had some things we wanted to bring up like pop culture or newsworthy. Um, and they were entirely too long. Those episodes were, you know, not produced. <laughs> we just were sitting there while eating or drinking, but we really wanted it to feel like you were, you were eating and drinking with your girlfriends yeah. and, and bitch talking. That's what we used to call our happy hours. So it came from a real thing and it just kind of evolved, um, 
in a couple, like in a year or so, we, we met up with Char. She was um, at the helm with a couple other folks um, on a streaming station and they were looking for more content in the city and we pitched Bitch Talk and uh, I knew Char also, just I was a radio nerd and she was on a local show here for a really long time as a as a intern first then producer Char something like that yes um yeah and so I knew Char like I knew Char I was a total total fangirl of the show she was on I I didn't find this out till much later (laughs) yeah so I came in as a fan and I was like holy shit we're gonna have a real fucking producer and um that was kind of it so we were doing live shows every Friday night because we're like oh well that's the normal happy hour time we drink on air blah 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 and then um, because of my job at the time, I was doing public relations in film and interested in film. And we just started doing um, film interviews. And I think around that time is when my original co-host ended up leaving on her own terms. And um, she was kind of tired of doing the podcast, which I totally get. It's a commitment. And then we just sort of started having Ange come in. <laughs> And uh, Ange and I go even further back. We started in television together in production. Um, I, we won't bore you with those details, but the story is that I ignored her at lunch one day. And then somehow we became friends out of that. I still don't understand how that happened. But um, we've just been creative partners kind of ever since. We have another side project, um, a documentary we've been working on, but we just can't get rid of each other creatively. So here we are, uh, 500, I don't know, 30 something episodes later. And it's just turned into, um, you know, we call it booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. Um, (laughs) And it is pretty interview based, Uh but a lot of people really love our basic bitches. And that's when we just get to talk (laughs) and be ourselves. Talk about anything and everything, I guess. Anything and everything. Yeah. So that's the genesis of bitch talk. I, you know, I think it's very interesting how you find creative partners in people that maybe you didn't, uh, you didn't actually like think of them as being creative partners at the beginning, right? Like, oh no, Ange and I were just like, <laughs> and- I, I didn't think of her at all, to be honest. Thank you. Yeah, here we are. I'm um, just kidding. I know she loves me, but Ange, I mean, to, I, if we want to. We can still talk about the podcast, but Ange has been this figure in my life for, God, 13 years, Ange, something like that. I think, I think 2005 was when we met or six. She really cracked open (laughs) who I am now. Like, wow. I, I, yeah, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, uh, still my mom doesn't even know. Um, she doesn't figure that out, but, uh, yeah, Ange was very single um, when we met. I was not. And uh, she just kind of opened my eyes to like what it would be like to be a single gal in the city and do whatever the fuck you want, mm. which was awesome. Yeah. And um, that, that was her first role in my life. And um, just, just to live, you know? Um, and that was really special. And then, you know, I've been been uh, dragging her around doing bitch talk ever since (laughs) (laughs) the last uh, five years I think so yeah well I I really love that story because as I was saying you know finding that this people the people that you 
you look at them and then you're like, you don't really think about them being creative partners with you. And then, because I do, I also have a collaboration with other two childhood women. And it's so much fun when you get into those um, interactions in which you can just like, you know, feed off each other's energy basically. And I feel that's the way that Erin, you and Angela are on air. And of course there's Char producing what you guys uh, are doing. So I think it, I mean, it, it's, it's a great combination of personalities, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, if, if I may step in, Isabel, I, I definitely, you know, Erin can say about me, you know, what she claims that I helped her with, but she has really brought so much to my life as well. Like, it, it's just crazy how we found ourselves just keep bouncing into each other's bubbles because I left San Francisco for a couple of years to travel. Uh, I quit the job that, that we had met at this one production company. I quit the job because I was like, look, I don't have kids. I don't own a home. I'm in my late twenties. I'm going to travel, you know, while I can still climb volcanoes and, and, you know, jump off waterfalls, I'm just going to do it. So, so I packed up and left and I wasn't in the city for, for quite some time. And then uh, as I was traveling, I, I found this, I met this family, a traveling family from Israel and I sort of fell in love with them and I wanted to shoot a documentary on them. So as soon as I came back from that trip, I went to San Francisco and I had lunch with Aaron just mentioning like, yeah, you know, I'm going to shoot a documentary on this family. I'm going to Nepal next year. And Aaron was like, I'll be your producer. And then just like that, you know, we, we'd never even talked about working on a project together at all. You know, we were just friends and um, she was just, just down immediately. And, and, um, and I think that that's why when she approached me with bitch talk, I had to say, yes, you know, I was indebted. (laughs) She had me, you know, but, uh, but, but none of this was planned. You know, the, the documentary with her wasn't planned. Me becoming part of bitch talk wasn't planned. You know, they were just like, Oh, we're going to have whiskey. So I showed up, you know, I just, (laughs) and then, and then here we are, you know, five years later, six years later. So yeah, Yeah. I just, I owe her a lot too. We've been through a lot and we've grown a lot together with Char. So yeah. yeah, no, I, I totally agree because, um, and, and you're right, Isabel, to, to, to that effect that, you know, Aaron and I knew each other, you know, kind of through the publicity world because she was, you know, working, uh, you know, in film and, 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 uh, and a, a PR for film. And I was part of this morning show. And I think as I was kind of leaving that show, she was kind of coming into into that that space. So we like we were just kind of like on the tail ends of each other's cusp, but we kind of knew of who each other were and I'd heard Aaron's name through uh, some of my other uh, my other collaborators and uh, when she approached me and my partners when I was working uh, with uh, our online radio station she had uh, uh, you know I I didn't know that you know this partnership would be you know know, so many years later you know Pat um, you know she like to continue on beyond that online radio station to my, you know, my personal endeavor of my production company and my content company. And, and, and then, you know, us working together on, on bitch talk, uh, you know, we've, this is the longest form of the partnership, you know, in the, in the six years that it's been together and we complement each other so well. And it's like, we just found like the right puzzle pieces of who, who does what and how we work together. And, uh, I, I never thought, you know, yeah, in passing all these years ago that that's what it was going to be, you know, uh, 500 so episodes later. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, you guys, you've been doing this for a long time. And uh, I think uh, Aaron said something at the beginning about, you know, let's do podcasts and how do we go about this? And in the beginning is everything's just like a learning curve, right? But after you get the hang of it, um, and it is a commitment, this is like a this is like a baby. So the honest upper for me is one of my brainchild, brain children. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's the thing. One <laughs> of my brain brain children. Um and 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 you know, having uh to put all that energy into it, you really want to make it fun and working with people that you don't really like have that vibe with, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's um and Ange and I just work, especially interviews, like we just work real well together and it's just weird how our brains work. Um and she comes up with questions that I'm always like, damn, that was good. And she always, I feel like she always wants to, like, I feel I always want to be better than the last interview because man, she has that really fucking good question. And, um, Oh, stop it. It's true. I, I mean, I have other people tell me that too, about the way that she, um, just digs in with our guests and, um, but I know we complement each other in that way because we both do the homework. We just look at things, you know, in kind of a slightly different way or, you know, um, and then Char just lets us be who we are. <laughs> so <laughs> whether it's good or bad again, I don't know, but it, it works. So Does Char get to drink whiskey as well? Because I hear you guys <laughs> drinking, but I don't know if Char gets a glass as well. <laughs> I'm there in the corner, very quietly <laughs> sipping and slowly sipping. My slowly own. sipping. Yeah. Yeah. It's free for all, but I, but I did want to add also, uh, not only do we add to each other, but we also fill in for each other's inadequacies because, you know, in any real partnership, somebody's going to need to be good at, at all the, you know, there's so many different facets to anything you do, a podcast, a documentary, whatever it is. And I, I think that that's another thing that works well with our dynamic is everybody has their strong points. Some have more stronger points than others. <laughs> I'm not talking about myself, but, but, you know, uh, I, I think that's really important too. And when you're talking about a partnership, whether it's a romantic partner or a friendship or a work environment, that's just as important as being good together, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, well, I I mean, listening to you guys interact, like right here, uh, is, I'm just, it's just giving me so much love. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, because this is one thing that I think I, I spoke to Aaron before we had this conversation, maybe this was like a week ago. Um, and we were talking about, you know, that need to, and, and I think we just mentioned at the beginning of this interview as well, the need to have more women of color um, doing things like this, you know, and, and I know that you are highlighting the need for BIPOC women to be represented um, so I wanted to, I wanted you, you guys to like, give me your perspective on that because I'm really interested to learn more. Hmm. Do you want me to start? Yeah, maybe I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just, you know, we just recently came off of, uh, Sundance. This is going to be our third year covering it. So you know, you're covering all these films and, and doing interviews with people that are on press junkets. So it's just interview after interview after interview. And, and we really pride ourselves on, you know, every year, multiple times a year, these people that are doing tens of interviews, you know, a day, 
they always comment that our interview is special and, and they thank us for asking different types of questions. And I think that's what comes with actually having representation is, you know, they're so used to the same voice, the same questions. When you give, when you get, when you hand the mic off to different people, then that's what happens. And that's why it's so important, not only for us, but for the people that are out there talking about their film. You know, uh, every, every piece of art is so layered. You don't want to be answering the same questions every day. You want to hear questions that you've never heard before and you want to dig in deeper. And uh, so I think that that's one thing that we can bring to the table as women of color, as, you know, children of immigrants is, is just that we're going to think of art and, and think of our interviews in a different way. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I think I can just pinpoint it back to my old job and, and work, I mean, and just in general, like just being in media and, and I don't know if Char has things to say too, but I mean, to be honest, growing up in the media um, landscape anywhere, especially in the US, obviously, it's very, it's very white uh it's very male again that's changing but that's just what I grew up in and had to had to work with and I think in my my last last job when I was working in film PR specifically um the people that I I would have you know talent come in and directors and we we're promoting their films and their eyes would light up if either it was um you know, younger people of color, they'd have students come in and talk with them. I mean, they loved, they loved it when it was just someone different, walking into the room with different questions, no matter how, you know, um, how nervous they might be, it was really sweet. Um, so I think as we moved into doing more interviews, especially film interviews, um, it's always been really positive feedback as soon as we're done, or when we walk in a room, it's always funny to see talent's faces. They're like, oh, oh, what's the name of your podcast again? Like they'll they'll be really curious about who we are. Um, and I know it's just because when they're doing these, and I'm talking specifically with film people, um, when they're doing these junkets or they're doing press tours, and I'm referencing when they're going around the country, they are seeing a lot of the same people and people that have had these jobs forever and are gatekeepers. And I'm going to guess they all look pretty white. Um, and they're not people of color walking in and asking different questions and, or even watching the films that they have made. <laughs> so that's our special sauce. I feel like that's a lot of uh, people of color's special sauce. We have some other people um, that we're really good friends with in the business that really do their homework. Um, I don't know if that's because, you know, especially being Asian, you just <laughs> you do your homework um, or you get in trouble, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's clear enough, but I think that's what we bring. I love that. Char, would you like to add something else? Yeah, no, I just, I, I agree with, with, with what both Aaron and Andrew are saying. And I think, um, you know, like our kind of, uh, our, our little competitive edge is that, you know, we came into the world of podcasting, which is kind of this wild. And when we came into it or, or, or when bitch talk came into it, it was, you know, there wasn't a lot out there and it was really, it still is. And, but it was really the wild, wild west of, of, 
of media. You know, it was it's it's this golden age of we were we had this breathing room or we had this we had this way we had this time to grow and do this. You know, and 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 express ourselves the way that we want and um, not be confined to like like I said, I come from this you know radio media background where you know I was told to you can only talk about x y and z and in this amount of window and this time and uh we get going into podcasting we were able to you know say the things that we wanted to say and explore the things that we wanted to say and uh i, th I think the 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 platform in, in podcasting combined with you know bitch talk and 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 and, and the goals and, and the things that we're wanting to do i think that combination really helped us uh uh really get out there I love it. And I love that you're giving, you know, more shining like a larger spotlight on, on this because I think it's very important. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Carrying on a little bit with this conversation of women of color, um you the th are the three of you from california yes yes okay yes because i've never been i've never been to the west coast i really want to go to california um mm. and but the thing that i i've noticed about california in in general is that you no know, they're a lot more liberal and a lot more open-minded than uh, i mean in comparison to maybe the midwest or the south of this of the united states um so I'm wondering, you know, growing up there, and, I'm, and this is going to get a little bit personal now because we're going to start talking about, I wanted to know about you as, um, you know, child-free women um, growing up in California and and what what have you experienced? And this is the, I hadn't told my, my audience this, but this is, this is one thing um, that you're just going to find out about. The three, Erin, Angela, and Char, the three of them are child-free. So um, the floor is yours. I really want to really want to know uh, more about this. So growing up in California or growing up part? and being child free in California mm. <laughs> and woman of color. So it's like a combination of the three things. Mm -hmm. Shar, you, you want to start this? <laughs> yeah, Shar, you want to go? <laughs> um, I I guess I I guess being. Uh, growing up in California and growing up in a in a Filipino household, um, it was I don't know it like well because I didn't know that this was gonna you know like I didn't know what my path was gonna be I didn't know that I was gonna that that you know the life that I chose but then I think the career kind of na helped navigate my decision to do to 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 not have children but um, I think the one thing that I did feel. If, if there was anything to feel in uh, growing up in in the in the culture that I grew up in and in California I guess I, in California I didn't feel it that much but uh, but being a, a Filipino and uh like even until this day I'm still getting the questions or I, I go to the Philippines to visit family or I go anywhere and they're like oh it's not too late like uh, just a week ago my my uh one of my dad's I was visiting with one of my dad's friends and he was like telling my dad that uh you know he still might have a chance to have a third grandchild because my brother is the one with the two kids so I think culturally uh is is where I get 
uh, I get hit the most with being uh, being a woman, you know, in my 40s, not having uh, not having any children. Um, I don't know how I feel yet about, uh, or I don't know if I have any uh, to process what it's like to be uh, living in California, because I guess because it is, uh, I've grew, I grew up in, you know, Northern California, where it is, there's, there's so, it's so diverse that uh, I didn't experience it that way. You meaning, I'm sorry, you didn't experience it which way? Like, like I, I didn't experience uh, anybody, like I didn't, there's a lot, or, or I guess also in working in media, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't experience, uh, it, it wasn't a thing to not have a child. Uh, it, it wasn't, it didn't affect me. I guess, yeah, I guess that's where I'm going with this is that uh, working in media and working in radio, there's a lot of people that were just like me that didn't have children. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, it didn't, um, it didn't phase me. I, di- I didn't think anything of it. The only time that I did feel anything was when I would go home and I would deal with family because of, because of my, my, because of, because of the culture. Yeah, I know. I completely get that. You know, uh, countries that are, you know, Southern, Southern Asian countries are very similar to Latin American countries in that sense. There's still this, you know, idea of, um, you know, the importance of nu- nuclear family and nuclear meaning mom, dad, kids, um, right religion there's so many things that play into it so I totally get where you're where you're coming from and I think that's very interesting um and I would like to hear from Angela and Erin next because like I mentioned you know California being so liberal but the three of you come from um immigrant families uh with a culture that is you know different so I'll go next I see Angela's still on mute. Um, So I come from a mom and dad. My dad was first first born here in the States, in Chinatown, actually, in San Francisco. Uh, And he was born in 1929. And my mom, I'm sorry, I should say first generation. That's what I meant. Um, My mom was born, who's white, uh, was born in Kansas. And she uh, came to San Francisco in 1969 and met my father, I don't think much later than that. And she was 20 years younger than my dad. And um, so he had already had a son and daughter from a previous marriage. And when when my mom and dad met, um, I don't think the stories that I've heard, my dad passed in 2007, but the stories that I heard about my dad sort of was like, he was done. He didn't want kids. <laughs> he was like in his forties. There's no way he's going to have kids. Uh, my mom was in her twenties, but they had me. And, um, you know, I think that's all my dad and my mom at the time, they're middle-class working all the time. Um, that's all they could afford really in the Bay area. I grew up in San Leandro, which is in the East Bay portion of the Bay area. And I, I can be honest, I don't think, first of all, my mom put me on birth control hella early. Um, maybe she knew something I didn't at the time. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of boy crazy. Um, <laughs> in, dating, in dating older boys in high school. And she's like, let's get you on birth control. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I've been on birth control half my life. And so I don't, there, I just never felt pressure from my family. Um, I also can say like my sister is child-free. Um, 
by choice at this point. Um, and then my brother who's um, gay doesn't have any children either. So we're all child-free, which is kind of crazy. Um, I think the any time that I felt pressure or have felt pressure is just really cult cultural in terms of my friends. Um, never my family so much. Um, they're always more about like, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And the joke is there, we're supposed to get married in 2020 and then COVID hit. So I don't know when I'm ever going to get married. Um, but um, yeah, I just have never had that urge that I feel like a lot of women and friends of mine have had to have a kid. Um, I also was a nanny when I was growing up, like in college and took care of kids uh, 12 hours a day, at least three days a week. And kind of saw the realities of really having kids at a, at a kind of a younger age. And it was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I love children. I think they're so, I love them, but I just, I don't think it's, it's my deal. And um, I think that's, uh, yeah. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> totally okay with it that's the most important thing <laughs> and I don't and I don't know if California has any any anything to do with it um yes definitely it's it's a liberal state there's liberal pockets but even within San Francisco there's conservative pockets um but San Francisco is also not really like a child-friendly city um, and more and more, it just hasn't been. And, you know, it's, we have dogs, those are our kids. And, um, and, and, and to, to try and raise kids in the immediate Bay Area is expensive as hell. Um, it is, I don't know how people do it. And um, I don't, I don't think we could afford it, to be honest, it, it would be rough. So. Right. Angela. <laughs> <laughs> huh? No, go okay. ahead, Angela. Yes, yeah, so so once upon a time, there was <laughs> <laughs> where, where to even begin? Okay, so uh, I, you know, like Shar, was raised in a Filipino family. Uh, I'm first generation, born in, in the states, and I grew up in a huge family. I have four sisters. Uh, my grandparents lived with us. You know, there was nine of us in a four-bedroom house, and it was wonderful. I just had the best upbringing. I loved growing up in a big family, but because I was the baby, and there was a 16-year age gap between myself and my oldest sister, by the time my parents had me, they were just so tired. They really just let me run amok and do my thing. You know, it was like, uh, go to church, go to school, and don't end up in prison. Everything else is up to you, you know? So uh, I followed those rules and they just, they never pressured me to get married, to have kids. You know, I have my older sisters to thank for that because, you know, they got all the heat and I was just there hanging out, just sort of independently doing my thing. So um, I, I thankfully never felt pressure from my family. Um, but you know, my sister, I had my first nephew, my sister had my first nephew when I was 13. So I was very aware of uh, what it took to <laughs> have a baby, raise a kid. You know, my second nephew, I lived with him for the first two years of his life. So I, I also grew up raising babies and I love them. I'm obsessed with kids. And um, I think a lot of people are confused by the fact that I can love kids and babies so much yet not want them for myself. 
Yep. And I, I think I just, I, I think I would, I'm so happy being the backup parent. I have three goddaughters. I have a bunch of babies in my life, you know, via family and friends. And I'm just, I'm so happy being, being, having that role. It's just like showing up, being the fun aunt, the crazy godmother, whatever I am. And then I get to go home and nap. It's just incredible, you know, like why, why not have the best of both worlds? And uh, I, I just feel like just because I love babies and kids, it doesn't mean I, I want them for myself. And, and I think that's really confusing for people, but I never thought it was by choice. I, I just always thought it, it that's just how it ended up for me. But now that I look at the decisions I made in my life, you know, I already brought up, I quit my job to travel the world for a year and all these decisions I made, they, they were by choice and they really did lead me to where I am today. So, I, so I guess, you know, um, subconsciously it was a choice. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I have the time to follow passions such as the bitch talk podcast and, and finishing this documentary that we've worked so hard on. Um, but also I get to enjoy the kids in my life when I, when I want to have that as well. So I feel like I really do get the, the best of both worlds and, uh, you know, growing up in California, I never really thought of that. Um, as having an impact, but of course it did, you know, just because it's sort of like anything goes, you know, you can make anything work and anything's possible. And, you know, that's just how I felt. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's just, it's just the best of both worlds and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, well, uh, right before you started talking, Angela, um, you know, Erin, you said something about you don't know how people do it raising kids in, in the Bay Area. Um, I don't want to interrupt the flow that we were having, but I was just going to say, if, if you guys didn't know, raising a kid until age 17 costs $300,000. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make that up. That is the, U, that is the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, published that that number. Um, is so, that, sorry, question, is that clarifying question is that a, that's just average yeah so they say yeah. the average cost no. of raising a child from birth through age 17 is um eight two, oh it's actually two hundred eighty-four thousand five hundred seventy dollars <laughs> and that's on the cheap end <laughs> and that's, that's on having one end. child i yeah. was gonna say jack in the box has those two for one tacos i mean you could do <laughs> yeah. it cheaper i'm sure <laughs> i was gonna say I, I feel like uh i'm not throwing shar's nephews under the bus at all but i'm sure they've already spent that on both of them and oh easily five six i don't even know uh yeah. six and thir- uh, two yeah yeah, so it is crazy expensive. That's no and joke. That's not even taking into account that some parents pay for their school, their child, uh, child's tuition when they go to university or college or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which in the U.S. is really expensive. I don't know how oh you my, guys do it. Yeah, preschool is... I well, we don't. Here is expensive. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not doing it. So. <laughs> we yeah, laugh. exactly. I, I, I don't know how people do it in general. You know, it's just a, you know... The, the 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 cash the not sleepless nights uh worrying and you know i loved what angela said about you know you, you can you be the crazy godmother or the fun aunt and you just like play with them and then when you're done you're like bye i'm going home i'm gonna take i'm gonna go take a nap and and you can do that 
you know, it's the freedom that comes with it, right? That's a that's a real story by Ange. That happened. <laughs> <laughs> that happened you, like last August or whatever. Yeah, a, after a full weekend with with the kids. Oh God, yeah, you need you need a nap. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, they, they're the energy, and I agree with um, you know how people some people get confused with the fact that you don't want children but how can you like children and if you like children how come you don't want your own people get I don't understand how people get confused like by that it's like I like lions but I'm not gonna like have one at home you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so um I know that I also love kids there are a lot of child-free people who really honestly don't like kids don't like being around them they don't like how kids smell but they they really don't. I love kids. Um, I don't. I'm not an aunt yet. I I hope I become an aunt. My sister is, is she's 34 now, but she hasn't. She's not interested in having children yet, but she wants to. Um, so I don't know what, what being an aunt is, but I do have a lot of friends with children, and I love spending time with the kids. But you know, the the fact that I know that I can go home, like just give them back to their parents and be like. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go have a mimosa, or you know, mm-hmm. take a nap, or watch a movie, <laughs> or need to go to a spa. I love that, you know. So, but yeah, it sounds. I, oh, go ahead, Erin. Sorry. No, I just also. I mean, people, the public in general does not talk about how, what it does to women's bodies having a baby oh, or yeah. trying to have a baby, um, and that it's a really, it's a really risky thing, you know. Um, I and, and Ange was a friend of hers. We had a neighbor who um, died like within 48 hours of giving birth. Um, and she was in her early 30s. And um, we had gone through the whole um, nine months with her. And she took care of herself so well. And um, you just don't know. And she, you know, she was at UCSF, which is one of the leading hospitals probably in the world. Mm. And she, she died. And, um, and it's because it's so traumatic to women's bodies to have babies. It just is. And, and no one talks about that. Um, and I'm not saying that's a factor in why I would never want to have a baby, but it really, I mean, there was a pause where I was like, Jesus Christ, this isn't even a conversation I feel amongst women. Um, and it's, 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 it's scary. Absolutely. It is. And, you know, I was having a conversation with, I took a course and and there was this lady with me in the course and she's a mom. And we were discussing, I don't remember why we got into the whole, you know, birthing children topic. That's not one of my favorite topics, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, it's actually quite graphic when you start reading about it. Um, yeah. But, but she, she did tell us that it's crazy how she didn't know, she didn't know anything about w- what the pregnancy was going to do to her body and how child childbirth was going to be mm-hmm. like she didn't this is the thing right everyone romanticizes um pregnancies everywhere in the media everywhere mm-hmm. you can see it in the movies in magazines everywhere child uh, you know being a woman pregnant a woman who's pregnant she's glowing she's beautiful but they don't mm-hmm. tell you about the hemorrhoids the yes the, the stitches the, 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 yes stitches. Yes. yes the I mean it's just uh, what it does to your hair what it does to your feet I mean it's just anyway not to get into too much detail here but what she said this lady was if I had known that I was going to have because she learned really late into her pregnancy like 
That oh, was done. Like she was pregnant. Yeah. She was like, I was fucking scared. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Like, and she said, if I had known that before I got pregnant, I might have not gotten pregnant. Mm-hmm. But I was actually going to go through because it is quite, it is very violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is very violent on your body. So, you know. Yeah. And the, a- yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Oh, no, good. Well, I was just going to say that's a, another failure on our education system. We need to be taught these things. They were not taught about the responsible way to even have sex. If you are having sex, we're not taught about childbirth. We're not, well, I went to Catholic school, maybe some public schools were, but you know, we're just, we're not taught about these things. And we jump into these situations way in over our heads and even, you know, postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So we're not even getting into the mental aspects of it either. Yeah, absolutely. You were going to say something, Erin? I was going to say before I had, I had a friend pass, pass away from childbirth. You know, I've had friends talk to me about their miscarriages and how terrible those are. And it's multiple. It's not like, oh, I had a miscarriage. It's like, oh no, I've gone through multiple before I could even have a kid. Or uh, I had a kid and then we were trying for another and had, you know, a few more miscarriages, which is, um, which I can tell is traumatic for women and for the fathers or whoever the partner is. So it's like, it's kind of like, and to Angie's point, it's like, I don't, I don't think our education system wants women to know what it takes uh, health-wise, mentality-wise to have children because there might be more women that don't want to have children. Um, but now I can go into conspiracy theory, so. I won't do that. <laughs> Are we but, on to that section of the show? <laughs> I mean, if you don't, if you dumb it down and or just don't teach it, right? Then people don't know. So yeah. and then it's too late. I don't know. So. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, governments profit from people having more children. Yes. Corporations profit from people having more children. Yep. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people whose best interest is that population keeps growing at this rate, we're going to be like 9 billion in like 10 years, which is crazy. Um, oh my God. I just, I mean, every time I think about what this does to the planet, I just get like a, like a headache, like a sap. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. There, There's no, no real, nobody wants to see the short term of what we're doing to the world. Not, not only in terms of environment, but everything else. I'm talking about our social issues uh political issues there's just so much crap going on around us and people still are still bringing kids into this world yeah uh i don't get it well and and that goes into yeah that goes into the like just as you said the types of people that are having kids and and what kind of people do you want to be procreating right now and it's never the people that you that you're like they would make damn fine parents (laughs) you know they're the ones that are struggling to have a kid right but it's like one thing that I, that makes me sad about people that are so like, I have to have a a kid by the time I'm this age or whatever. It's just like, they stop working on themselves as people, you know? Mm. And, and, and I, I would hope that all of our goals in life, whether you have kids or not, is just to become a fully realized version of yourself, you know, whatever that is to, to, to be passionate about things, to, to really live, not, not just to be numb in your nine to five, you know, not that there's anything wrong with having a nine to five, but just, I, I would hope that our goal is to become fully realized in whatever makes us happy, whatever, whatever, 
passions we have. And, and those are the types of people that you want to have kids because then they're going to share these passions and they're going to share that vigor for life with their kids. You know, so it's just, um, I, I just see it, it's just sometimes so backwards, the reasoning for people wanting kids. And I, I feel like we need to keep working on ourselves and that should be our number one goal. And what comes of that comes of that. But we should always just keep striving to become a more actualized version of ourselves. I completely agree with you and I completely second that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I've been, I've read a lot about, you, you know, the, the term pronatalism actually embodies everything that you just said, you know, well, people like kind of like feeling that they have to reproduce without even knowing why. Um, there's a lot of that happening because of uh, religion and culture and community and just social pressure in general. And I had the pleasure to interview Dr. Kimia Dennis. Um, she's a criminologist. And one of the things that she said to me during our interview was that a lot of people don't understand that there is actually a very direct link between uh, crime and people just giving, you know, having kids just because. Um, and the reason is, um, I mean, it is basically a link between crime and, and yeah, uh, pronatalism. Um, and, and the thing is that she was telling me, you know, we, we tell everyone that they have to have children, they have to have babies, everyone has to pop out kids. But we have to understand that some people will have to resort to find illegal money to take care of those kids. And that will perpetuate that cycle of poverty. And it, it doesn't help anyone in the end, right? Um, so mm. that's a shame. <laughs> I think yeah, I know that. That's that. We we just recently brought up Aaron on one of our um, episodes. Uh, we were talking about George Bush Jr. W. W. And uh, <laughs> and I was I was saying how you know obviously not my favorite president it was very it was a very dark time, mm -hmm. but uh, I was saying he's a prime example of you know your parents kind of force you into the family business and all he wanted to do was paint because he's a very talented painter, Isabel. I'm not sure if you've you've seen uh ever since he left the presidency he's just been painting and and he's really good at it and i was saying like see what happens when your parents force you to do something <laughs> that you don't want to do you end up horrible at it and uh and and that's that stems from you know having kids for the for the wrong reason or or you know parenting them with your baggage in mind you know absolutely um so <laughs> this is something that I was just thinking about um, before, I mean, when we're talking about when you guys were telling me um, about your experience growing up in California, being child-free and how um, you haven't, I mean, what I took from everything that you guys told me was that you didn't actually feel a lot of that pressure. Maybe Char, when she goes back to the Philippines, uh, but Erin, didn't, you didn't feel quite a lot of pressure, didn't you, or Angela? No, no, not at all. Well, that that is great. So you haven't actually been bingoed. Do you know what that is? <laughs> no, what I don't know. I need that? to know. I, I mean, I may have been. I don't know. Well, bingo. yeah, behind our backs, maybe. But no, you would get pingo like they would say it's your face. Um, oh, okay. So, so bingo is is both in child free uh, in the child free community. Bingo is both a noun and a and a verb. 
uh, because it refers to uh, a childhood bingo, but it's a verb when you get bingoed. So basically somebody in the internet creating this bingo card um, and in every little slot of the bingo card are the things that childhood people get told on a regular basis to their face. So whenever you voice your choice, right? Um, so things like, uh, who will take care of you when you're old? Or... Oh, well, I've had that. <laughs> oh, right. So you've I've been bingo. You've, you've been bingoed. Okay. Uh, or children yeah. are a women's greatest achievement. Um, no, I haven't heard that. Nothing is better than new baby smell. Uh, well, I do kind of believe that, though, that though but, mm. but that doesn't pressure <laughs> me to want to have one. But that smell, I mean, if they can oh, yeah. bottle it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do bottle it. I think babies smell like the baby <laughs> clone, don't they? I have, no, I don't know. Um, another bingo is everyone didn't, if everyone didn't have kids, the human race would die out. Surely there's billion of us. We're not going to die out anytime soon. Um, well, and is I've that heard really, that. Is that really a bad thing? Ask Mother Nature. I know. Care about that. <laughs> Ask who? Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah. Pachamama. Yeah. Pachamama. Yes. Or, um, my personal favorite is um, your biological clock is ticking. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm trying. To, no one's. I, I've gotten that a lot. I get that a lot. That's 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 the the one that I that, that that's probably the one that uh, everybody's like. Well, you're not getting any younger. You're or you're. <laughs> Uh, you're already you're like you know when I was in my 30s, uh, you know was like, you're you're almost 40. You know, childbearing age is 35 or 34, and that's old already too. Now you know, like mm -hmm. whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, I, I I get that a lot from from the Filipino community, from the from from that family. Yes. Yep. So you have been bingoed, the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> a true child-free badge. <laughs> Yay. Um, and you haven't gotten any of those, have you, that you know of? No, I mean, I, I actually say that baby smell is, is like my favorite smell. But no, nobody, nobody bothers me. I think it's just because they see I'm having <laughs> such a good time. It's like, what? She's chilling, you know, like, obviously, she's happy. I don't know. I just nobody bothers me about that. Or they'll just they know you'll take them down in like one fell swoop if they <laughs> say one thing about it. You've always been your own your own kind of unicorn, Ange. So yeah, <laughs> I could see that. I, I don't know about that, but yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. Yeah, everybody just kind of leaves me alone on that front. Well, I think because I help everybody with their kids. So who's gonna want me to have kids? Then I'm not gonna be able to help you anymore. You know what sure. I mean? I'm just like yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm just like back the parent for everyone so I think they like it that way have they have has anyone told you you would be a great mother yes Angie all the time yeah yeah yep that's yep. also a bingo oh there Angie you're bingo <laughs> oh, oh it was really awkward I was at a friend's dinner um, and there was two couples and myself and we were eating and drinking and the one they both had kids both of the couples and one of them was I, actually this was my bingo night thank you you're just reminding me uh, she was she kept pressing me 
like, oh, you love kids so much because you saw me interacting with them. Why don't you have kids? Why, why don't you want them? And, and I, I totally blocked this memory out of my mind. Thanks a lot for, for reminding me, Isabel. But yeah, I was completely grilled all night at dinner. And after they left, my friend was like so apologetic. And I was just like, I need to go back to the city, man. I come out to the burbs and I get harassed. <laughs> yeah. But you have a really cool friend, you know, apologizing afterwards. Because yeah. Oh, yeah, she knows better. Come on. Yeah, she knows who's having a good time. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to be on my deathbed and say, I wish I would have lived. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, that's totally. real. Totally. I love that. Oh, my God. It's been so much fun to have the three of you in my podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Um, before I let you go, because unfortunately, we're running out of time. I try to keep my episodes more or less the same length. I wish I would like, I could talk to you three, like for a lot longer. You're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but before I do fun. let you, yes. <laughs> but before I do let you go, um, is there anything that any of you or the three of you would like to add? Anything mm-hmm. at all? Yeah, you don't have to have a kid to feel fulfilled. Absolutely. That's all. <laughs> and that um, is what this is all about angie you would like to say something yeah I, I will say you know if you're worried about who will take care of you when you're older if you live your life right you will always have somebody by your side and and you'll never feel alone true i you know me and one one of the child free uh girls that i told you about that we have this collaboration we're actually thinking about opening a retirement uh, oh. place for like child for people commune <laughs> yeah it's called a commune isabel and i've been talking about it for, oh like, my years. god really yep. yes yes i thought i had the first i was like this is a great idea nobody else has thought about this before <laughs> if, well, if you if you want to open it in brazil i'm moving to yours not aaron's Sorry. <laughs> thanks Ange. love you <laughs> whatever that's fine but yeah that is something that is definitely happening when i grow up yep I mean, I'm kind of in because, no, I don't feel like, I mean, we could talk about this for another hour. This is like the next podcast, but um, I mean, this goes back to the system, right? Like the system set up for you to have children to take care of you. At least that's what it feels like. But there hasn't been like a blatant conversation about, well, if you don't have kids, what's that future look like? Yeah. Um, and it's really not made for people like us. I mean, or in at least San Francisco or the Bay Area, you have to have so much money to move into a really nice retirement community. Ange has a friend that lives in a really nice one who's also child free. She should be good for this podcast. Um, but she moved into a real swanky one. But I mean, you have to, I mean, I don't know. You have to save a lot of money to be in a nice place after a certain age. Um, and we're just not set up for that in general, but anyways, that's another tangent. <laughs> so build that community, Isabel. I'm going to do it. We're definitely going to do it in like this really cool place. And we're going to be like hippie non-grandparents. <laughs> yeah, done. Yes, it's called a commune. I want to have this so badly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Awesome. Right. So uh, where can my firecrackers uh, find you guys? I want, you know, what are your links so I can leave them? Below. Yeah. 
just go to bitchtalkpodcast.com and you will find all of our episodes. You'll see photos of us, whether my, co- uh, my coworkers, my family here, my team likes them or not. You can find all our socials. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, and then you can find all our episodes, 500 plus of um, a lot of content, a lot of great content. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to leave you firecrackers, the links below in the description as always. Anyway, so you can just click and you can follow Bitch Talk Podcast. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Angela. And thank you, Char, for being here. It was so much fun. Thank you, Isabel. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.